that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer.
unfolded everything that we wanted and needed to do for the next six days. And it was wonderful. What I couldn't have seen back home journaling was that Lindsay needed to be a part of this because it, it made her a minister to the camp also. She sat by me in all the teachings that we did. And she contributed strongly to that. The Lord's ways were ways that I could not see at the time. The abundance that he wanted to spread that out beyond just me. So camp unfolds and grows when kids get there. They're still bearing the weight of the world or whatever they brought from there. Problems with home, within the family. It's just the yeah, yeah, yeah of the world. They come to camp, many of them, most of them have been there before, and so they know that there's something that's there that they deeply desire. And they want to let that happen. But it takes a day or two to shed off the armor, the scales from their eyes to where they began to live. And so by the third day, we talked about this opening up, this allowing God into our lives, being rooted in love. And we talked about the barriers, the stumbling blocks to that, being unforgiveness and being pain and suffering that we've had or injury that we've suffered and the need to help begin to remove those stumbling blocks. And so we had a healing service, as, as we usually do when I'm the chaplain in the middle of the week. And so I had assigned counselors. Now, these, you got to understand, these are 19, 20, 21-year-olds that are doing this. And almost to a person, they're struggling with who God is and what their relationship with God is and why they're there. Even. And so I assigned them to four healing stations in the four corners of the room with three persons at each. So here are these young people that are getting ready to minister to the 65 rest of us that are there. We anointed them and prayed for them to just be vessels, only vessels, to all of us. And so it was deeply moving for me to see these counselors that stood there for God to minister to his people. And so I invited the children to come. But they didn't have to speak, didn't have to say a thing. They could just come sit in the chair where the counselors were, whether it was for forgiveness or whether it was healing, healing for themselves or for somebody in their family, that this was a time that they could do that. So I invited them. And nobody moved. <laughs> Fear starts rising up in me. And I said, let's do this. And so I left where I was and went and plopped myself in a chair and let these counselors put their hands on me and begin the healing process for me too. When I opened my eyes, the children were getting up, they were sitting on the floor, they were getting up and they moved into the stations. And almost to a person, I'd say 95% of them all went up. Some of them went up more than twice. <laughs> Who knows? 
struck me deepest in all this is that one of the one of the boys, a 16-year-old, uh, had been in one of the healing stations and he broke down, crying. And as he came back and sat on the floor with his cabin mates, these other boys, these 16, 17-year-old boys, took him in and held him, and they all were one, holding each other's around like that, surrounding him with love. It was beautiful. It was abundant. It was the church. So I wept like a baby. I'm just sitting there next to another counselor, and I'm just weeping tears of joy as I see these young people learning how to take care of each other, how to love each other without words. It was the abundance of God flowing in them. After that, one of the uh, younger counselors came asked to talk to me, and we, we, we sat and we talked, and he just poured out that he was making such a failure of his life. He had flunked almost every class in his freshman year. He was smoking marijuana daily. He was hanging out with people that he didn't respect, and he was doing things that made him feel bad about who he was. And he didn't want that. He wanted to change. He had the courage to tell me all of this. And I said, that's just like me. <laughs> that's my story right there. So I listened. And he wept. And he grabbed some conviction and strength to change his life. And we have been in contact since then for the past month. The boy that broke down in the healing service and this young man who is changing his life are both right now praying for us. Right this moment. Opening the door of our hearts is something that we have to do. We have to do that to allow God's Spirit to fully express itself within us. There is a deep yearning in all of us for the glories of God's kingdom. That's why we're here. We're not here out of guilt or out of just, this is what we do on Sunday morning, on the deepest level, we yearn. We yearn for God in our lives. We yearn for God within the church. We yearn to know the height and the depth and the breadth and the fullness of what God desires for us to do and to be. Eugene Peterson's translation of the Bible is a paraphrase and I'm going to read his translation of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, says Paul. This magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth, 
I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit. Not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. That Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you will be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus this, the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. The extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the height. Live full lives, full of the fullness of God. God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, Jesus. Glory down through all the generations. Glory through all millennia. And then he closes with Peterson's interpretation of Amen, which is, oh yes. <laughs> this is Paul's letter to us. Indeed, this is Paul's letter down through the millennia to us as church and as individuals. We are an amazing church. This is, as we know, this is a welcoming place where all are welcome. This is a place where diversity is welcome. This is a place where all kinds of riches of the kingdom can be experienced. However, we cannot rest on our laurels. We cannot rest on the past. We must continuously be aware and open ourselves up as church and as individuals to the abundant blessings that God wants to pour out upon us. Otherwise, if we don't do that, we will gradually become, like many churches do, we'll become lukewarm, insipid. And what does God do with lukewarm, insipid? He spits it out of his mouth. We don't want and that's not where we are. But we must be vigilant. And we must be open. And that is up to us as individuals and it's up to us as church to open the door and invite him in. And to see the abundance. When Jesus was feeding the 5,000, Philip and Andrew couldn't see it. I mean, they were with him every day, but they couldn't see the abundance that was getting ready to happen. That's what we need to be about, is to have those eyes of abundance, to see that it's there in the world around us, in us, in our families, in ourselves. What happens when we all do that? Oh, yes! Oh, yes? Oh, yes!